You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your daily routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56. Normally, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic joins me here, but uh, unable to join me for this one today. Uh, Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by Built Bar. Today's episode uh, brought to you by the, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Uh, I like the chocolate almond coconut as my favorite. Remember, if you use promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Well, today I am joined by former Kentucky Wildcat, David Jones. Played at UK from 2005 to 2008. Defensive back, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner. Uh, David won three straight bowl games uh, under Rich Brooks there. First time that uh, Kentucky had ever won three consecutive bowl games. Uh, also, David, I got to bring up, I mean, because people, you know, it's, it's 2020. Your last year was 2008. So, you know, it's been a little while, but so people may not remember you, some of our younger viewers, especially from your time at Belfry. So I just mentioned that you'd won three straight bowl games and that had never happened at Kentucky. Well, you were also part of a Belfry team that got coach Philip Haywood his first state titles. Mm-hmm. I mean, Haywood is the state's all-time winningest coach. He hadn't won a state title till 2003 when you guys got that for him. And then again in 2004. Uh, let me brag on you a little more, David. Huh. In, in 03, when Belfry beat E-Town in overtime to win the 2A state title, David ran for 202 yards, four touchdowns, including the game-winning score in overtime, also had a team-high tying seven tackles, and you also uh, beat your future teammate, Zip Duncan, <laughs> yeah. in that game. Uh, then turn around in 04, Belfry beats Owensboro Catholic to win a second straight state title. Uh, and you had 176 yards and a touchdown rushing. Uh, and since helping Haywood win his first two state titles, Philip Haywood has won five more, including last season. And he is now 7-6 and six in state title games, 449-137 and 137 overall record in 45 seasons. Last season, when Belfry beat Bell County in the 2A state championship game, it was Philip Haywood, all-time winningest coach in the state, against the second all-time winningest coach in the state, Dudley Hilton, coaching Bell County. And Hilton is the man who got Bourbon County its only state title in 1997, and David is currently the head coach at Bourbon County. How about that? I brought it all the way around. Yeah, and I also was coaching for Dudley Hilton when Coach Haywood beat that record. Oh, was that right? <laughs> yeah, I, I coached for Dudley Hilton at University of Pikeville. I was the head DB coach there his first year. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very intense <laughs> whenever Coach broke that. <laughs> well, now, now you're at uh, you're at Bourbon County. Yes. Um Got that program, uh, I guess last year was your first season there, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think Kentucky fans probably remember you best for that Liberty Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, 2008 season, but the 2009 Liberty Bowl when you were a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentucky was down 16-3 to at halftime to East Carolina, and you returned the second half opening kickoff, 99 yards for a touchdown, and uh, Kentucky goes on to win the game. 
25 to 19 with another defensive play, by the way, that was Ventrell Jenkins scooping up a fumble that Myron Pryor had caused. And Jenkins, I, you guys have got to remember this. If you're a Kentucky fan, go back and look at what Jenkins did on that 56-yard return because he put a mean double move on that quarterback and then stiff-armed ECU's quarterback so hard that it knocked his ear pad out. And that was the go-ahead touchdown. But, man, you talk about a defensive team that year, your senior year. Mm-hmm. Here's the defensive line. Myron Pryor, NFL. Corey Peters, NFL. Jeremy Jarman, NFL. Ventrell Jenkins, I know he got into camp, but yeah. he didn't stick there. But that's your defensive line. Uh, your two inside linebackers, Braxton Kelly, Micah Johnson, who's still playing in the CFL. Yeah, Braxton John- three years in, uh, at, at Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Williams, uh, Marcus McClinton, mm-hmm. Trevard Lindley, All-American. I mean – that's something else. That that was that was a pretty darn good defense. Oh yeah, yeah. We was we was locked down. I know that we had a great time. I got and like I said, I got uh Trevor Lindley coaching with me at Bourbon County also. Um, yeah, he's not the only former Wildcat on your staff, right? right? Not right. You know, I got a uh, Vincent Sweepy Burns. You know, he he was a um, All American uh, D tackle at Kentucky, drafted third round to the Colts, and actually uh, won a Super Bowl with the Colts. Um, yeah, 2006 or seven, one to two, and uh, you know, well, they beat the Chicago Bears. I remember that, right? Yeah, that was Tony Dungy against uh, Lovey Smith. Yep, sure was. And uh, um, I always hear the Tony Dungy stories from Sweet Pea, so but uh, I also have um, um, another guy on, on staff, his name is uh, Alex Wells. He played, he's from Bourbon County, he played offensive line at Kentucky. He was he got hurt. And uh, pretty, pretty bad. And he's my offensive coordinator. Uh, very intelligent. Uh, and uh, he's a go-getter, too. Um, but we got a – and I got my offensive line coaches, Fatu Terry Terry, who played at Kentucky also. <laughs> that is – that's some kind of staff. <laughs> I, I know you guys have to be uh, excited about the direction you're going. I mean, you've – since being on – you know, you talk about being on Dudley Hilton's staff at at Pikeville, and mm-hmm. then you also coached Phelps. I mean, did some things at Phelps that never been done before. Mm-hmm. What is it like to have this staff, that kind of knowledge, football knowledge on one staff? Man, honestly, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's just a blessing to be able to get the coach with uh, with my my friends. Honestly, uh, and, yeah, and and literally the the things that they can do and what they can bring out within the kid is just it's unbelievable. Um, and you know, and my my main philosophy, I don't care if they played or 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 not. These cats, they can coach. You know, they can get the best out of kids, and they know how to teach. That's the key to, that's the key to coaching. If you know how to teach, you don't have to play. You never have to play a down in your life. If you know how to teach and get that out of that kid, hey, you can you can be a, uh, one of the best coaches ever. <laughs> uh, wow. And 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 for them to play and and also have that trait of. You know, what we're trying to do at Bourbon County, I mean, that was just the top notch. Literally, the only thing that I'm teaching them is is just, you know, how to grind. Um, not yeah. basically how to grind, not within saying that they don't know how to grind. It's just like there's a different type of grind you have to have when it comes to coaching and and, and keeping afloat and, and, and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, you know, and, and everyone I'm doing is just like, you know, we, we have a, a task that we used to take with Coach Brooks and, and stuff, and, you know, the grind never stops. You know, 
I'm gonna tell you one thing, and that, and that and Sweet Pea literally takes advantage of that because this dude calls me all the time about something he's trying to do with the <laughs> team and all this and all that. Uh, but man, we have a great, great time. I have other coaches, of course, on my staff that 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 brings a uh, you know just just makes everything just you know compact together. And you know we're not finished yet. I'm I'm still trying to get a couple of pieces to the puzzle and. And hopefully, you know, all that works out so we can just, just hit the ground running and get some state titles here like Dudley did. Yeah. Well, the main reason I wanted to have you on today uh, is to talk about you know, racism and what's going on in our country mm-hmm. right now and uh, just some of the experiences you've had and then some of the things you're doing, uh, you know, to help. And so we'll get to that when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. But I want to tell you about this protein bar I recently discovered. It's called Built Bar. I'm telling you, it tastes just like a candy bar. There's so many flavors, so many different flavors uh, that are all very good. I mean, the orange chocolate's really good. Uh, You heard me mention at the top of the show the chocolate almond coconut. I mean, anything peanut butter chocolate. We got those two. They're awesome. And then if you don't like, you know, if you got a, a nut allergy, they also have several flavors. Uh, that are produced in nut-free facilities. Built Bar is super healthy, perfect for on-the-go because you got a lot of protein in them, high in fiber, but low in carbs, low in sugar, low calorie. Again, they taste great. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Kentucky with David Jones, uh, current football head, head football coach at Bourbon County High School and former Kentucky Wildcat and former Belfry uh, legend there in Belfry. But you grew up in Mingo County, West Virginia, which is just across the border. It borders Pike County, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, if you go on to census.gov and you look at demographics for different towns, I grew up in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. Whitley County. Uh, down southeastern Kentucky, and uh, similar demographics to right. where uh, I grew up as to where you grew up, where it's 98% white. Mm-hmm. In Pike County, there's about 58,000 people there and 98% white. Mm-hmm. So I know you must have experienced uh, some of that, so, some racism when you were growing up. Oh, man, absolutely. You know, uh <clears throat> one of the thing is, you know, I'm from Southern West Virginia, which is Mingo County, um, um, originally from Red Jacket, you know, and where I live at, you know, it's the dominant, you know, African-American area. Um, and we have Italians there also, and we have some Native Americans too, um, you know, just in that little area. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. yeah. But, you know, just a little thing, you know, growing up, you know, in that area, um, Everybody knew me, knew my family and all that stuff. So it wasn't really, you know, out there like that, but it was there. But the the main time that I did experience racism was um, I was around like 12 or 13. And uh, a guy, he, uh, a Klan member threw a homemade bomb in my grandmother's house. And uh. yeah, and just waking up to something like that. My, my grandmother was in the house. My brother was in the house and my cousin was in there. And you know the the bomb didn't go off. He they actually actually uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how all this stuff is, man. And, and just being older now and, and learning and knowing history and all that. But you know he took his name tag off and 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 lit it up. And whenever he threw the bomb in the window, 
the forensic guy said that you know it, the the blinds let the flame out so the bomb didn't go off but it still landed in you know my grandmother's room it was in my grandmother's room it was crazy <sighs> it landed right on her floor um still to this day the carpet is already it's still cut out and that, i think that was in 2000 or 1991 or 92 or 3 when all this mm. happened um and you know and the crazy part about it was you know um just waking up to that and experiencing that as a young age you know and not knowing if your brother's alive your grandmother's alive we just got the call and had to jump in the car and, and go straight there and i mean just that experience alone just you know just it's it affected me a lot you know my views on people um as, of course negative views on people um of, of not my race um and just you know <clears throat> giving me a lot of hate in my heart that i shouldn't have had in there uh, right you know experiencing things like that you know it was just it just it affected me major um you know fast forward they caught the guy um you know he got uh spent some time or whatever locked up and all that good stuff and uh you know we did get so they did catch the guy absolutely and they put, yeah and they put him in jail yes they like what he did was he took his name tag off of his work shirt and he lit it and it didn't go off so he he basically had his name right there <laughs> uh you know and that's how they you know that's how he got caught um he actually well was, that was that was on the bomb it's his name tag well the, it was on the bomb that he threw the they threw the hum, homemade bomb through the window and one when they threw the homemade bomb it was full of gas and stuff like that okay so once uh. they threw it in the window um he he had uh, his name tag lit and then he went to go throw it through the window also and it uh, the lines let it out and it didn't catch the gas on fire or nothing so nothing caught on fire um, nice okay yeah just okay. we're just lucky um you know there was so that was the identification right there absolutely and there was a witness that was on down the road outside he said that he had stopped in the road to see if it went off and of course it didn't and they just took on off but you know they they really they tried to kill uh you know my grandmother and my my brother mm. now just because the color of their skin and and things and uh you know that really affected me a whole lot um and all that but they eventually like i said they called him um and all that and you know it was just a whole mess i mean the community especially our community was in the uproar um and yeah I, you know i would imagine i was i had friends that was you know that was white that i wasn't allowed to go around um you know still you know actually not even till this day but you know it's been a little bit ago my grandmother's just now getting over you know being able to you know have white people come around and stuff um mm. you know and that's just the things that she grew up in because she's from uh, mississippi uh and stuff her mm. parents and them from jackson mississippi too so you know it's it was real uh it was a real eye opener for me um and as a at a young age uh, experiencing that and and it just gave some some hate in my heart that you know i i never want to experience that again <laughs> how, how did you get through that like how do you how, how do you forgive that or how do you you know get over that where you can where you can be you know the way you are now leader of men yeah well you know god worked in mysterious ways and and how he healed my heart was um you know there i had a basketball coach and and things and i was having some trouble and stuff in that league that they wouldn't allow me to play and all this and all that um because of where i come from <laughs> 
uh, mm. things. And he was a white guy, really big pillar in our community and stuff. And his best friend was an African-American from my neighborhood and things. And, you know, and he eventually took over me and he just, man, he just showed me how to love and eventually like adopted me and stuff like that, you know, and, and he just showed a different type of love to me that I never ever experienced, not even with my, you know, my biological father. And this guy was white, you know, and I wow. realized that, you know, that wasn't, you know, all of them is not like that. Um, all of them's not out to kill me because of my skin color. And, you know, all of them don't have that hate and, and things like that. So, you know, and then later on, fast forward it, you know, he start pronouncing me as his son. He don't have any kids of his own um or anything like that never did and he pro announced me as his son he owns heavy hauling equipment his name is david cook by the way they call him daydo um and he goes through he uh his company is daydo trucking and he does heavy hauling equipment and you know and i and you know there's been times that you know he they find out or he pronounced that um you know he have an african-american son and and one of the bosses that he's about to work for or do some work for because he was his own boss or do some work for um, you know, they start re making racist comments and he'll just not do the work. He'll leave and you know, stuff and like, you know, I'm not doing your work for you and stuff like that. Right. So, um, and for a guy to do some things like that for me and not even being his own blood, that helped me, you know, like no other. And that's why I say, you know, God work in mysterious ways, because those ones that I was hating and couldn't trust helped me and healed me. Uh, and you know, that was just one of the most blessings I had in my life. Uh, and this guy, he never, he never missed a game, high school game. He never missed a college game. And I mean, home and away, Wow. <laughs> never. Uh, and you know, and he's, you know, still to the day he's in my life, you know, that's my dad. Um, you know, and I, you know, I love him. We tell each other, we love each other all the time. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's the best thing ever. But, uh, he taught me how he taught me how to love and 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 have an open heart to things and and literally between him and Coach Haywood, that is why I'm, I am like I am today. Because if it weren't for them, I'm sure I would be um, a, a big problem in the in the world today. Wow, I mean, you're talking about uh, a white guy in Eastern Kentucky mm -hmm. who, who owns a business, a business owner, mm -hmm. and and. and helps mentor you along the way to the point where he adopts you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just unseen and, and taking stands yeah. for, for, for racism, standing up against it. And he never did. He didn't even have to. And that, that was the thing. And that's what I saw. Like, hell, I, I, he didn't have to even do that to me because I didn't, you know, because he didn't even have to tell me that they said something. It was just, it was in his heart. Like, you're not going to talk about this in front of me. Right. And I have an African-American kid. So he, I mean, man, like he is beyond a blessing. And a little funny thing about that story, too, and how God works is I used to live at the, an apartment. And every single, this is when I was younger, before all of this happened, the bombing and everything. And they was just old, old white guy used to come and go in the mountains and ginseng and go ginseng and he would come up he had to come to the apartments and go up on the hillside where where the playground was and every time i know he's coming every saturday or so and every time he goes i go stand over there and he always gave me his banana and come to find out and i didn't even know this at the time but like later on and all this and all that come to find out that guy was 
you know, my stepdad, that was his uh, grandfather. <laughs> really? <laughs> Absolutely. That was his grandfather. And uh, so before you even knew this man, even knew him, his grandfather would come by on his way to go like ginseng mm-hmm. hunting in the mountains mm-hmm. and would see you and give you his banana. Yep. Every single time he did that. And, you know, and, you know, so I never did have no issues or anything. That was actually the, you know, uh, one of the first, you know, white guys that I really got, you know, kind of acquainted and close to. And, you know, of course I went to school with them and things like that, but it was never to a point like I had trust, you know? Right. Right. But he did that. And I mean, it was weird. And literally like probably I say after, five, six, seven months or so, I found out that that was his grandfather. I was like, oh my God, I know him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to continue our conversation with David Jones. We're going to talk about uh, Mark Stoops taking the football team and leading them on uh, a march through downtown for for Black Lives Matter. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, some of the other stuff that's going on. We saw a former Georgia quarterback uh, say something that just – seemed completely out of character for mm-hmm. someone uh, who's on a football team in college. Uh, and then just some of the other stuff we've seen from, from uh, what's happened in rallies in Pikeville and Corbin and all over. Uh, and then more on um, and discussing what, what you're doing. So I know that you're organizing something mm-hmm. um, among coaches and we'll talk about all that stuff when we continue here on locked on Kentucky. <laughs> Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky and talking with David Jones, current Bourbon County head coach and former Kentucky Wildcat. And uh, David, I know you saw this because I talked to you uh, before about this, which I should mention. I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Uh, We didn't have a podcast on Friday. Kyle was dealing with some stuff and he wasn't able to to do it. Uh, But I had David. And we were going to do it. And David was up in uh, Mingo County in the mountains mountains, (laughs) and it was raining like crazy. And we tried for an hour and a half to get this podcast to work and just, it just wouldn't work for us. uh, We tried, but that's why we didn't have one on Friday. So our apologies, but thank goodness we got you here uh, today. But uh, back on Friday, I was talking to you about this Mm -hmm. is uh, former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. He had a text conversation with a young lady and it happened a little more than a year ago. Uh, but the text conversation included a racist comment. And then the woman took a screenshot of it and she out, she wound up tweeting it out last week, but it was a conversation back and forth on text that came about guns. And Fromm said, just make guns very expensive. So only elite white people can get them, which is, you know, clearly a, a horrible statement. If that's something that's, that's in your heart where you're thinking that, well, if only elite white people can get guns, then that would mean, Black people couldn't, and right. there would be no crime. Right. It's kind of the insinuation Absolutely. that he's making. So I, I wanted to, to, to put that context with you. Let's say you um, are at UK, and you guys, uh, and Mike Hartline was your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Let's say if you saw something like that from Mike Hartline after having played with him for several years, mm-hmm. like after having – like there's nothing about Jake Fromm that we know of publicly, at least, uh, that any of his teammates thought that he might have this kind of thoughts in his mind. Uh, what what would it be? What would your response be to seeing like so- something like that if it was your quarterback, your college teammate? Well, uh, for one, you know, I did I did uh, you know get to play with Hartline, uh, Mike, and stuff. He was my quarterback for I think a year. 
um great great dude man um great dude like still to this day um you know great dude he's coaching actually um he was at cincinnati he was doing some stuff i think he's at uh, um, ohio state now with his brother yeah uh, but you know if, if something like that had happened and, and it was heartline man i'd be crushed <laughs> i mean yeah. because of, of, of basically you know he was a he was a closet teammate um and and the things that we went through in that locker room and and together through camps and and all that and you know our blood sweat and tears and then to come um like that i mean you know there's no there's no getting out of that <laughs> uh there's no uh you know that's just clearly how you you feel in your heart like you said you know um that just clearly how you feel in your heart and you know for uh jake to do something like that um it just brings to light, you know, you don't know everything about um, everybody. And definitely whenever it comes to high profile guys coming out, going to the league or big high profile guys, the four or five stars is going to college and, and doing all that stuff. A lot of stuff's going to get hidden and things like that. But what can't get hidden is text messages and, and snaps on the internet. <laughs> you, you, can't, right. you can't run and hide from that. Because obviously you can't you can't uh, you can't explain uh, those tactics and things like that, and you know, and I think honest to God, he know very well because in this time and time and day, like when we was coming up, we didn't have to worry about the internet, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> we didn't have yeah. to worry about that, and, and or phones or stuff. We had pagers and car phones, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have to worry about all that stuff. But nowadays, and he knows because he grew up in this generation. Uh, uh, the internet text message, what you say in text message, if you're trying to get a girl or trying to be cool or not, that is going to stick with you for life. And it's just that yeah. simple. And, and he knew he's very, very intelligent and, and things, you know, I just think that, you know, he, his true feelings came out. Yeah. And to be clear, I was, I was, I was doing a hypothetical that what if right yeah jake if it was mike we're not saying i'm not saying mike hartline right I, this is jake Fromm who did this right. and i was just putting it in context like what if it had happened with you but uh i want to talk about now with with mark stoops what he did what the football team did on friday there was about 50 or so players a lot of players that are still in lexington stayed in lexington uh and then coaches and they marched through downtown lexington on friday and they were all, every one of them was wearing a, a Black Lives Matter shirt. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up with, uh, you know, giving a little speech, just a little talk at the end uh, with Mayor Linda Gordon. And I, to me, just, you know, not not being an African-American, mm -hmm. just being a white person. But just I, I look at that and I see a powerful, powerful message. I think it says, and the, the more and more momentum that this movement is getting because we're into like 11, 12 mm -hmm. days of people, you know, going out and protesting. I think when something like that happens, when you have um, a football coach and his team mm -hmm. come out, especially if it's a white guy too, Absolutely. I think it starts giving uh, other white people permission or not permission, but makes them feel like, okay, well now I can say something. Cause a lot of times you just take just human nature mm -hmm. of you'll be in a class or something like that. And somebody, says okay who wants to speak on this subject and nobody wants to say anything right. and then one person talks and then they go okay well then i can talk well then the next thing you know you got the whole room talking it's just that you need somebody to say not give you permission but like start it a little bit yeah. and go 
well, it's okay. It's okay. okay. They're not getting right. Yeah. They're not getting uh, crushed for being that way. Right. And I, I, I don't think there's any doubt though. You go back to when there was Ferguson, right. When the black lives matter movement started, it was seen as controversial. Mm-hmm. And I, I know there were uh, plenty of white people that didn't want to jump in there oh, yeah. and throw their support behind it for fear of uh, how other people would think of them and, and not be out front with it. And to me, that's what this does. It sends a powerful message that it's okay to be standing for Black Lives Matter because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely, man. Uh, wow, you hit it. You hit it right on. And 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 I got a, a unique, a unique, unique, interesting story about the Black Lives Matter movement and and things like that. Uh, and I'm a very vocal person. I, I stand up for what I believe in and I love my culture. I love being a black African-American man. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, our, our culture, our, our history is so unique and, and make us, you know, so strong and, and strong minded and stuff. I love it. But one thing that I did not understand and, and I, and I'm, I will, I will not deny it by no means. I didn't understand black lives matter. Um, I had to go and and this is when it first started, you know, I had to go and get uh, and and learn a little bit more about it. Cause in a position that I'm in, in a position that you're in, in a position that all these other uh, people's in to influence others, uh, we have to watch what we do and watch what we say. And, and, you know, I wanted to, I want to, if I was going to speak out on something, I wanted to be equal to equal, you know, uh, if, mm-hmm. if we're trying to get equal, um, equal, uh, equality too, then, you know, I wanted to be able to speak out on equally. And, and when I seen it, you know, and they, and nobody ever explained it. That's the prop. That was the issue. So when I seen it, I seen one life matter. I literally seen that. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I, I coach a kid. I coach a, I coach a, all my kids on my team was uh, was uh, white kids, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was vocal about Colin Kaepernick coming out. You know, they said, well, would you allow your team to uh, kneel? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, um, I will never disrespect the flag or anything like that. That's when I didn't know, okay. Right, and right. That's when I didn't know nothing about it. Um, my dad was in the Army. My dad was in the military. And stuff like that. So what did I do? I went back and I spoke with my with my real dad. I spoke with him, um, you know, and I spoke to others that was in the military and, and things like that. And I spoke with African American for a specific reason. And I'm trying to get yeah. some understanding and stuff. And you know, and they was like, you know, at the time of all this occurred and all this, he said, when we got back to America, we had a fight for our freedom. So I get it, yeah. you know. So I, I'm I'm getting right. some things now. So I'm understanding the some things we're not disrespecting the the people who fought for it is just you know it's police brutality equal justice you know injustice and all that so i, I was getting it uh so long story short you know I, I i figured out and i talked to you know i talked to my pastor i wanted to get a religious perspective on it i talked to um, some leaders in the white community i talked to some leaders in the black community so i got a lot of different perspective on it but it all come to this and they all had the same message for me how can how can we uh how can we proceed proceed or pursue to say black uh uh all lives matter whenever black lives don't matter to to us and this is this mm-hmm. is the white gentleman telling me this 
And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, he said, I'm with the Black Lives Matter movement because the message is it isn't that Black Lives Matter only is right. You're sending out a statement that Black Lives Matter. And, you know, and we want y'all to understand this Black Lives Matter. And we understand all lives matter. But how can all lives matter whenever black lives don't matter? You got getting young African-Americans shot while jogging. You know, you're getting them, uh, a police brutality whenever, you know, they see that we're they think that we're a threat because the color of our skin and getting shot and things like that. So, you know, until that stop, you know, you know, uh, black lives does matter until we can get all together. And then, yeah, all lives matter. Um and you know, yeah, I mean, it's more complex. I think yes. what happens is we live in a society yeah. where you read a headline, mm-hmm. uh, it's something catchy, and you know, it's not as catchy to say black lives don't matter less than white lives, right? Like, that's not easy to chant, that doesn't fit <laughs> as well on a t shirt. It's not, you know, it's 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 a little harder to put out there, but that that to me is the message that that finally has come across is that the reason mm-hmm. it's black lives matter and not all lives matter Mm -hmm. is because you got to show that these lives don't matter less. Right. They matter the same. Right. They all matter the same, but there's an injustice happening to one part, Mm -hmm. not the other. Right. And that's where the emphasis is. And I, you know, with the Colin Kaepernick thing as well, with the kneeling to that always gets messed up. And I, I think, I think part of it is they, no, I mean, I just think part of it is you you go back to like um, uh, the black men who raised their fist at the Olympics mm-hmm. and, you know, refusing to wear the American flag because this America, this version of America mm-hmm. is not the one that's treating black men and women equally. Absolutely. And so you take a knee for I'm showing you at a time when all eyes are on the national anthems there. Mm-hmm. And it, especially in sports. And I mean, they always show that And there's even been um, it's even been shown that like the NFL pays mm-hmm. for for patriotic messages. Like they yeah. pay the military to do certain things because they want to tie patriotism with their brand. Right. And so now you're messing with that. And it's like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Don't mess with that. Let, let's let's continue this conversation because our time has come up here on this particular on this episode mm-hmm. of Locked on Kentucky, but I definitely have a few more things I want to talk about because we did not get to what you're doing um, with, with coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to talk about that. And so the next time uh, you hear Locked on Kentucky, we will continue our conversation with David Jones and more on, we're going to talk about some of the things we didn't talk about, like Corbin, Kentucky has been known as a place of, as a, as a racist place for mm-hmm. a long, long time. And, now there's even been a rally there for black lives matter. Yeah. And then David, what you're doing with the, uh, you know, minority coaches and organizing there. And then I, we also want to, I want to hear from you what, what your advice would be to white people on how, how to help the cause. And so we'll talk about all those things on the next episode of locked on Kentucky. In the meantime, uh, if you want to hear uh, more sports news, you can uh, tune it into Locked On SEC. Tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On SEC. And also, Kyle Tucker will be back with me uh, the next time we do Locked On Kentucky. But thanks for listening, guys. And remember, more from David Jones on the next episode.
are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. 